turn. Alright, take him. Take him. It's a nice buck. Take him. Heck yeah, buddy. Awesome shot. He's going down. Welcome to the Hunt and Fish Network podcast. All right, ladies and gents, welcome back to another episode of the Hunt and Fish Network podcast. I'm your host, Ed Woolley, a.k.a. Mr. Muley Tines. And today on episode nine, got the infamous Rusty Farnsworth from Utah with Rusty Farnsworth Outfitting. What's going on, buddy? Doing good. How about you? Not too bad, man. You want to uh, start off with a little introduction for the podcast listeners? Yeah. So, uh, obviously, my name's Rusty Farnsworth. I I live in northeastern Utah in a little town called Mountain Home. Uh, I uh, It's just a little tiny community, farming and ranching community. And uh, most people here either ranch or, or work in the oil fields. Um, I live just five minutes down the road from where I uh, grew up. And... Uh, kind of got started in hunting uh you know from my dad my family has always been big time uh into the outdoors my dad's always been really adventurous and uh so we was always in the back country growing up with pack animals you know and we had we've had uh my dad used to run a guide service with llamas so i've been around a lot of pack llamas and then as he got older we switched over to horses and and uh eventually i got into mules and uh, but anyways i've been going with my dad in the mountains and hunting ever since i was just a little tiny kid and uh that's kind of how you know i got the interest in it and then i started uh guiding oh shoot it was i think back in about 2008 i went to work for an outfitter up in idaho guiding bear hunts and and then everything just kind of uh rolled on from there and finally started my own gig and here we are today heck yeah man of course i guess you just kind of told us how the uh outfit got started what's your is there anything else you want to add to that on how it got the rusty farnsworth outfitting got started well so i i guided bear hunts for for a few years and uh as i as i you know as i got more into it um i i had clients uh asking me about what type of uh animals you know we could hunt closer to where i live or whatever and so um started guiding for some outfitters around here locally and of course you know all the hunts i was doing was backcountry hunts off a of stock and uh some of my clients that i was guiding just encouraged me to you know go out on my own and do my own deal so i you know started looking at all the logistics of what it took to become an outfitter and I mean, it, it took a while to get it to where it is now, you know, to, to get enough clientele and get my name out there good enough. But uh, really, that's kind of how it began, just the interest and in people encouraging me to go out on my own to do it. And, uh, you know, here we are now where, where we've got plenty of hunts to do. So it's been good. Heck yeah, dude. What's your uh, favorite thing about guiding? Well, I would have, I mean, obviously I just love to hunt. So, you know, one of the perks obviously of being a guide or outfitter is, is you're constantly in the woods, uh, uh, hunting. And I just love to do that. But, uh, 
I think one of my favorite things about it is, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there who, who don't get a hunt as much as I or maybe you do. And uh, some of those people, like it's their dream just to come out west and to kill a big game animal. And I think that's my favorite part of it is is helping people achieve their dreams and uh, fulfill a life goal or a lifelong dream that, that they have to come and harvest one of these animals and to help them do it and to be a part of it. That's probably, probably my most favorite thing about it. Yeah, for sure. Nothing like seeing a guy from the east come out of the west and shoot his first elk or deer on the mountain. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What are the key traits in a good outfitter and what should a client look for in an outfitter when they're hiring um, an outfitter or guide? I know, like, you know, obviously I do most stuff myself, even when uh, I hunt other states and stuff. But if, if I were to hire an outfitter, I think the number one thing I personally would look for is somebody that is just that loves to hunt and is just obsessed with it as I am. You know, it's, uh, you, you can go hunting. There's a lot of outfitters out there, but not everybody's going to love it to some of those guys. It's just a job, but then you got other guys you can go with who they eat it up. And that, that even though you might kill the animal, that animal means as much to them as it does to the client. And, and that is the type of outfitter I would be looking for. Um, you, you want somebody who obviously, uh, has good references. You know, I would definitely check references when you talk to hunters and, and, you know, there's, uh, you can't please everybody. So every outfitter might have a bad, you know, you might hear a bad word or two about them, but I would definitely check with references and just see how they are. If they're a people person, how they treat people and, Cause you want, when you go on your hunt, you want to, you want to enjoy being with those people. You know, if it's not enjoyable to be with the person that's guiding you, it can ruin your hunt in a hurry. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but I would sure. say the big, the biggest thing is, is it needs to be somebody who just loves to hunt. And, uh, and I think if you get a guy like that, you'll be just fine. Yeah. I think if you talk to him enough, before the hunt starts, you're going to have a good idea when you get there, what to expect. Yeah. You can tell a lot just visiting with them over the phone, you know? So yeah, hopefully there's no, you don't get any surprises when you get to camp. Right. Unfortunately, I think that does happen, <laughs> but, uh, you know, just, just do your research and, uh, follow up with those references and you'll be fine. You got a, uh, hunting story you want to share that stands out? from over the years yeah i was uh, actually thinking about that this morning so uh a few years ago i killed a, a buck up here uh on the south slope yellowstone unit here in utah general season and my family and i were doing a deer drive and uh we had just about i was one of the drivers driving back towards you know guys that were sitting and i had just about got to the end of the drive and I could, you know, see a hunter sitting down the ridge below me with, you know, the horses tied up and stuff. And, uh, as I was, uh, as I saw those horses, I looked, I caught some movement out of the corner of my eye and I looked over and I seen a buck sneaking between me and another driver had his head clear to the ground and he was just trying to sneak between us. And, you know, didn't have much time to get a shot off. And I, I pulled up and picked an opening in the Quakies and, and, uh, was able to hit him and knocked him down. 
And as I was walking over to him, um, I could tell I, I, I just clipped his back. So he went down, but he was still trying to get up and get away. And I pulled up just offhand again real quick and shot and, you know, just thought I'd killed him. Uh, I got over to him and the other driver come up, who's my nephew. And we were sitting there admiring him. He's a nice four point. And, uh, I grabbed his head and was showing him off to my nephew and we were all pretty excited and all at once, I don't know if it just knocked him out or whatever, but all at once I just noticed his eye just get huge and his old nostrils flared and I realized he wasn't dead and I had his antler in my hand and I looked over at my nephew and he had a big old knife on his, on his belt. And I said, Brady, hand me that knife. This buck's not dead. And I, I shoved his head to the ground with my hand and my nephew handed me his knife and I just, you know, stuck him with that knife right in the heart. And as I pulled that knife out, I don't know if it gave him a surge of adrenaline or what, but he had sucker ripped loose from me and he jumped up and he spun around and he pinned his ears and here he came full bore right at me. And so I, I took off running with this buck right on me and uh, I was able to, I came to a big group of quakies and just before he got me, I jumped to the side and got behind a quakie and, and he took off down the ridge. I mean, full speed. And so I'd already shot this buck twice and stabbed him once. And my nephew in the commotion grabbed my gun and he threw my gun to me. And I, I just had to run as hard as I could to keep that buck inside of me down the ridge. And I was just running and he was taking off and, he came to another sagebrush opening and just as he entered it, I, I stopped and pulled up and I was able to hit him on the run and drop him, you know, before I lost him. But that's probably one of the crazier ones I've had. Yeah. That sounds like my uh, first buck I shot. There was, I think me and Stefan and my brother, Chris and my sister, it was Halloween night and we went up there and Stefan and Chris spotted this buck and I shot him and he just dropped. So I'm like, I don't even need to bring the gun down, man. He just dropped and Stefan's like, no, you better bring it just in case. And we get down there, dude. And I go to stick him on the butt just to make sure he's dead. And dude, he turned around and I'd hit him in the eye and he did the same thing. He started coming at me and my brother took off running. I'm like, what the crap? And I ended up, I had to freaking pop him quick, dude, or he'd have got me. But yeah, yeah. he's freaking right side of his face where i hit him it was all demolished but yeah he still had that one eye where he was coming at me pretty good pretty good <laughs> yeah you know yeah, those... go you ahead don't, you don't want to mess with those deer man when they're wounded no no yeah i i've made a i've made a rule if they're if i have any question at all i just put another another one in them for good measure yeah. I, i've been on multiple hunts where i have seen uh elk or deer when you get up to them and you think you're dead and they're, you're celebrating. I've had it multiple times where they just get up and take off. My, my nephew one year had a youth tag out, up here on the general and he shot a bull, his first bull. He was so excited. And we were, we were literally, I was literally standing on the bull and we were celebrating. And I noticed that same thing that I opened up and the bull was kind of on a hillside with his horn wedged under his back. And, I just grabbed my nephew and I said, here, just shoot him again right here in the heart. And he literally had his barrel on the bull's chest, like poking the bull. And 
he was just getting ready to pull the trigger and my dad said no Bodie don't shoot him there he says if you hit him there you could hit his antler on the other side of him and I kid you not in the time my nephew was just trying to move the angle of his rifle that bull jumped up and was gone and we never saw him again holy crap so that's crazy put, a, put another one in him for good measure for that's sure right. they're still twitching a little bit you gotta give him one more yeah just give him another <laughs> one what uh what units you specialize in utah so uh you know i kind of got my name out there in the outfitting world for doing mountain goats up here in the in the high uinas so if you have a mountain goat tag in the high uinas uh north slope south slope high uinas west high uinas central or high uinas east those are the ones we know the best um We've also guided some hunters on the Chalk Creek Cama side and, and, you know, have some experience in other units throughout Utah, but those are the main ones we specialize in. Um, we also guide archery elk hunters in those units. That, that's probably the bulk of what we do. The majority of September, we're taking archery elk hunters into the high Uinas, you know, uh, horseback, uh, back into the wilderness. And then, uh, in October we'll, uh, that's when we start getting into the goats. We'll let them hair up a little bit in that first and second week of October. We knock our goat hunters out. Um, we also have a lot of experience in the Little Crick roadless area, the book cliffs. Um, it's a it's another horseback packing area where we've hunted elk for a number of years, killed some really good bulls in there. And then, uh, you know, I have a, a couple guides that help me out that have, uh, you know, we've killed some good things in the just the roaded area, the book cliffs. I got another uh, guy that works for me that, that specializes just on Diamond Mountain has really killed some good animals over there. So basically anywhere in, you know, most of northeast Utah, we've got covered. Heck yeah. So do you just specialize in the elk and deer or do you do any deer or do you just do elk uh, and mountain, mountain goat? We we can do deer in, in the in the book cliffs and, uh, you know, on Diamond, but the the probably 95 percent of what we do is all mountain goats and elk okay you uh you got anything available for the 2023 season if guys didn't draw this year we have uh so so just kind of to give you an idea how we run our hunts um you know these backcountry horseback style hunts there's a there's a small group of people who you can find to do these type of hunts because not only does your guide have to have hunting experience, but they got to have knowledge of stock and how to be able to pack and stuff. And it's hard to find guys like that. And so kind of the way we've structured the business where we have just such a short window to run like the elk hunts is we try to book every single one of our hunts as a two on one setting. Um, you know, if we're not, if we're not full by the time fall comes, we will take one on one hunters, but, uh, we try to book all two on ones and and this year we're we've only got two spots left and when i say two spots that means for four hunters um and so we have two spots for two two on ones and that is the first week of september so that that actually runs from august 30th to september 5th is our first hunt and as soon as we book those two we'll be completely full for the season won't be able to take any more on we 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 could possibly fit another goat hunter or two if we had calls on them, but we, you know, we're pretty full on the goats as well. So 
but we're we're about there so heck yeah kind of uh tell us like a day of the hunt or like if a john doe calls and says hey want to book this hunt and he books it with you where do you kind of give us a rundown on where they fly into do they rent a car do you pick them up kind of how the whole hunt goes down on the five-day deal okay so um typically uh the the, air, the airport closest to where we hunt out of is is vernal vernal utah and it's a it's a small airport but it it has connecting flights from denver and so typically what we'll do if hunters are coming from you know the midwest or back east we'll encourage them to fly into vernal because you know then they then they only have a half hour drive to be close to one of the trailheads um so that's you know the pros of falling of, of flying into vernal one of the cons of flying into vernal is the fact that it's harder to get rental cars out of vernal uh, i mean I, most of our hunters have been successful doing it but it's not as easy as say salt lake where if you fly into salt lake you're gonna have you know a two and a half hour drive to get to us but you'll you'll, you'll easily be able to get a rental car so we we typically have our hunters fly into vernal but you know that we kind of let them we just give them those two options and we let them decide from there we we're we're so hooked up that time of year dealing with all of our stock and stuff um we don't pick our hunters up at the airport you know if, if somebody for some reason couldn't find transportation we can make arrangements but for the most part we just tell our hunters when to meet us at the trailhead so they'll they'll usually fly in the day before get a room in uh usually they'll stay in roosevelt uh, you know, that's kind of the closest town to all the trailheads we run out of. And then they will, uh, the next morning we'll drop, you know, we'll drop them a pin and the next morning we'll give them a time and they'll meet us at the trailhead. And then the way we structure these hunts is the hunts are, they're seven days. So it's a week long deal, but, uh, two of those days are traveling and out of the high country. So the first day, you know, they'll show up, we'll get all their gear organized. We'll pack them up on the mules. And then you're literally all day getting into the camps uh some of the you know we have camps that are three hours in on the horses we have camps that are eight hours in and so uh you know some camps take a little longer too than others but the majority of our camps i would say are that five to eight hours in and uh you know we, we have some hunters usually pretty gung-ho they want to get out that first night but one thing we found is we're hunting at a high enough elevation that you know we, we Usually if we're going to have people get high altitude sickness, it's that first night, you know, they'll get nauseated, they'll start throwing up. And one thing we've encouraged hunters to do is, is to get with their doctor and possibly take, get, get on a medication that help them with that. But so what we do is that first night, we have them just stay in camp and just acclimate and they'll just relax all night. And then kind of the way I've structured my hunts is uh, in the mornings, you know, we're usually hiking a long ways in the mornings trying to get you know in position for where we want to be so we're, we're, we do pretty simple type breakfast you know we'll have donuts uh bagels oatmeal just things that are quick or they can grab and eat as we're on the go and then you know depending on the hunter or, or what the game we're in usually we will take a lunch with us or you know you could go back to camp if you're hunting close to camp and, and you know go out all day and then you know when we come back at night we'll have a big you know, we'll have a big, nice meal for the hunters and then we do it again and we'll do, and then we hunt them for five days. And then that, that seventh day, you know, it takes all day to 
get them packed up and get them out of there and, and get them home. And then, and then, you know, those three weeks of the archery elk hunts, we'll do a week on, we'll have one day off, a week on, one day off and a week on. And so it's a, it's a grind, but that's kind of how we've set it up for right now. Heck yeah. And on these mountain goat hunts, how many uh, points does it take to draw something like that? Um, I, I had a, a client that, so like, for example, the high unit central unit, I had a client this year that I think pulled that tag was 17 points. Um, but then I also had, uh, and then this is coming from a resident standpoint, obviously, um, had a client, some clients, uh, put in for the West tag with 19 points and a couple of those didn't get that. Well, at least they told me that 19, we'll have to see for sure if that's what they had when the draws come out. But so, so it's going to take, you know, 18 to 20 points and they're, you know, it seems like they creep up a point or two every year. Um, and then, you know, non-residents, if a non-resident puts in for that, it's, it's a lottery. So if you pull that tag, one of those tags, you're just really lucky, you know. But there are, there's also options where they could buy auction tags as well too, if they wanted one, right? Yep. Yeah. So, uh, we got, we, we got two of the auction tags this year. We got the, the high UNS West tag and the high UNS central. And, uh, you know, each year when the Utah conservation tags go on sale, they usually sell one of those tags out at the Western hunting expo. And then, uh, I believe the other one sold this year. Can't remember if it was at the wild sheep foundation or the Fanaz banquet or whatever, but we'll be taking hunters in on both those this year. And then, and then one, another thing that I forgot to mention is we also do uh, the youth uh, rifle elk hunt, which is a draw here in Utah. You know, they apply for that and, and the kids get a hunt this year. It runs during the last week of our archery hunt and, uh, and it kind of overlaps there. And we will have a, a handful of those this year as well. And we, we've had really good success on that in the past as well. Heck yeah. On the, uh, elk, what kind of bulls could guys expect on a hunt like that? Uh, I would say 90% of the bulls are going to be from raghorn up to 290 type bulls with the majority of the bulls that you'll see will be from that 270 to 290 type range. Um, but there is, there is, you know, 300 plus potential. We, we typically each year will have guys miss, or, or get on, you know, 300. And we've, we even had a guy last year miss a 340 type bull with us. And I mean, obviously that's, that's big for where we are, but uh, 300 is now the question, but you're definitely going to see a lot of raghorns and five points with the majority being that 270 to 290 type bull. Heck yeah. How, uh, how does a guy get in contact with you if he wants to uh, talk about booking a hunt? So you can, you can check us out. We have an Instagram, uh, feed. It's uh rusty farm at rusty Farnsworth outfitting. You can, you can check us out on there or you can go look at our website, uh, just rusty Farnsworth outfitting.com. And, uh, you know, my phone number's on there and you, I mean, you can send us an email via the website or just give us a call and we can visit about hunting right on man so yeah if any of you guys are looking for a good time in the back country or wanting to chase after one of them badass mountain goats here in utah rusty's the man the myth and legend he knows what he's doing he's the goat whisperer yeah i don't know about that we try though but yeah if you 
you're interested in a backcountry archery hunt for elk or you want to chase after a mountain goat, he's the man you need to get in touch with. Oh, he Ed's actually going to come with us this year on a hunt and he'll get to experience it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping to uh, get a video camera on that baby so we can do some cool stuff. Heck yeah. We're right on, man. Is there anything else you want to shout out on here? You know, uh, one thing we haven't, we haven't pushed a ton in the past. We're going to start trying to push it a little more is, uh, there's a lot of really good fishing opportunities in these high wilderness lakes where we live. And so that's something we're going to offer more in the future and try to focus a little more on during the summer months is, uh, packing people back in, uh, to do those fishing trips. And, and then also we live, if you, you know, if you come straight down from Kings peak, which is the highest peak in the Utah, in Utah, you have to come right past uh, my house. And so that's another thing we could do is we could be pack support for anybody wanting to hike Kings peak. Heck yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the uh, time today to hop on the podcast. Yeah. Anytime, man. We look forward to having you out this fall. Heck yeah, man. I appreciate it.